Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend, and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. Welcome in to the BSN Broncos podcast presented by Elixinol. Don't take our word on Elixinol, take former Broncos quarterback Jake Plummer's word on it. Plummer is a huge fan of Elixinol's Hemp Balm, a topical pain reliever that is just one of Elixinol's many great non-THC products. What's more, 5% of your purchase will go to a non-profit of your choice when you fi- visit Elixinol.com to get yours today. Well, Zach... I was on uh, the radio with our friends over at Altitude earlier this week, or I should say uh, at the end of last week, Uh and I just need to know where you stand on something. This is is very important stuff that needs to go in the first block of the first segment (laughs) on this podcast. Do you believe the mountain lion man... And his story <laughs> about how he killed a mountain lion with his bare hands. All I know is that a mountain lion attacked this man in Colorado and he killed him with, with his bare hands. Is that? Do I need to know anything else? I mean, to have a full evaluation, you need to watch his interview, listen to his story, compare his original story to his current story. Oh, but no, has that, it changed? The story has changed a bit. <laughs> oh, well, you can't believe him, can you? I don't believe him. A bit. What? So, 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 tell me what you believe. So he's just saying that wasn't it a baby mountain lion? It was an adolescent mountain. <laughs> an adolescent mountain lion just came up and attacked him when he was on a hike. Yeah. Originally, he said it jumped on his back. Then later, he said it it, it kind of hit him in the face first. Um, and according to him, he tried first. He tried stabbing it with a stick, but the stick broke, and that didn't work. Then he tried hitting it over the head with a rock, and that didn't work. Then somehow the he, he I thought originally he had said it was it was biting his arm while he was doing all this. Then somehow it ends up biting his leg, and and the way he says he killed it was by like shoving his foot down its throat, which or I guess he shoved his foot and then flipped his knee over and got his knee on its throat. Way too many movements for me. Wow. D- wouldn't it if it was biting his arm? Wouldn't there be marks or biting his leg? I think he does have be? marks. I don't know, man. All I know is there's way the, the the part where he lost me 
is when he started talking about all these different methods he was trying mm. as if like this is there's no time there's no time constraints on right it. as if he's gone to a course and, and you, you learn to do this one and if it doesn't work then you try this one right and like <laughs> to me this whole like here's what i will say and, and this is completely hypothetical you should never do this but if you were to just take a house cat and try and pin it down it would be very hard. It would just flip around and get out of it real easily. I right? can confirm that. Yeah. Right. And I don't even have cats, but I just know how <laughs> their their bodies they can just contort them in so many weird ways. Yeah. That like if you were trying to pin it down and it didn't want to be pinned down, it would be out of there in a second. Yeah. And that's a house cat. Now again, if you were putting all of your body weight, you're like gonna be able to defeat a house cat. I don't think so about a mountain lion. <laughs> this thing still weighed over a hundred pounds, and those things are strong. They're wild oh, animals. Yeah. If this thing wanted to get out from his knee on its neck, it would have just flipped its body around. I'm not buying it. I, I can't buy it. Just, just trying to, you know, take the basic evidence and put it together. So then the question is, what happened? Or what, so, what do you think happened? I, there's, there's a couple theories I have. Is there confirmation that this animal did not live? Yeah, okay. they found the, the animal. And okay. I think the only way we can truly know is if they do a biopsy on the cat and we know how it died. Yeah, because I think it's By going to shoe being stuffed down his right. throat. I think it's going to come to light that the cat died of natural causes. Mm. So here's my theory. I have two different theories. One is better for him. One is worse. I'll do the one that's better for him. The one that's better for him is that he was on a hike and he maybe like his girlfriend or wife told him like, you can't be hiking alone. And while he was on his hike, he stepped on a rock or something that he slipped. He fell on his face, tore his face up. Mm. And he was like, oh, my God, I look like such an idiot. On his way down the hill, he just happened to see a dead mountain lion. Mm. And he was like, this is perfect cover up for me. I'm not an idiot who just slipped and fell and busted my face open on the trail. Now I'm a guy who fought off a mountain lion. That's number one. Number two is worse for him. I don't know how crazy this guy is, but number two is he was hiking the trail. He saw a dead mountain lion, and oh, he was wow. messed up enough to oh, like start wow. taking sticks and oh, cutting up wow. his face so he could say he fought off a mountain lion and killed him. Yeah, that would be that would be. And then could you imagine going home in scenario one and being like, "Oh my gosh, babe, you won't believe it." She's like, "We have to take this to the news," and you're like, "Whoa, well, I, well, I hey, don't need to do that." <laughs> I think he like called the wild park service yeah. or whatever when he got wow. to the bottom. But here's the other thing. Have you looked at his injuries? No. They don't look consistent to me with a mountain lion. <laughs> now I'm no Does it look like a rock and like he fell on a rock. He just has one scratch, one big cut under his eye. Mm. So like maybe the mountain lion only got him with like its middle claw. But I was expecting to see like, like his face half ripped off. Yeah. I would think so. Like, he was definitely bloodied, but he just has, like, one really big cut under his eye. <sighs> wow. <sighs> All right. Well, we are mountain lion truthers. <laughs> Glad where, we got what, that on Where, what, was it, it? Was it in Boulder? Fort Collins, I think. Fort Collins. Fort Collins area. Okay. Okay. And you that, know that's why you don't believe him. That's why you don't believe him. A little him. weird. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that into this. Uh, it looks like there was tw he had 28 stitches. Maybe that was somewhere else. I mean, okay, but you might need 28 stitches if you just take a pocket knife mm, to your face. Yeah, that's true. That's true. 
Oh, I don't know. It's a very straight line cut. There's not enough other stuff going on. If if it's true, I want to always have this guy on my side. <laughs> I just he's also like a pretty small guy. Yeah, he looks like it. Like if you were telling me like, I don't know, um Derek Wolf was hiking and he fought <laughs> off a, a a half-grown mountain lion, I'd say, "Okay, I could see that." That I I could actually see that. This guy looks like he's like a trail runner. Oh yeah. I think that's exactly what he is. <laughs> And he tripped, and he ate it on his face. And he got, yeah, right below, right below the eye. One cut? Yep. That's what it looks like, yeah. What about the teeth marks? Why haven't we seen the teeth marks? You would think there would be, right? I mean, my cats tear up my hands. That's what I mean. <laughs> like, a a house cat could do more damage than this guy's mountain lions. It's, it's really tr- Man, I'm looking at pictures of mountain lions, too. A mountain lion's paw is like twice the size of my oh, hand. Oh yeah, yeah. It it eats your face alone. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, dude. I think this guy's full of it. But well, only time will tell. I hope they do a biopsy because we can't just let this guy can't just let this guy live uh, on, forever in fame on some BS. On top of it. Isn't he doing just a media tour, a national media tour, and your stories change? That get, that's a little sketchy. Maybe we need to have him on this podcast. We should have him on the <laughs> podcast. I'm gonna call. I will call him out and tell him I don't believe him right here on the podcast. He's got to be a Broncos fan, right? I think so. Or I maybe think he's one of those weird people that's like a CSU fan and a Nebraska fan, <laughs> and then like he he's just like, oh, like Nebraska is my pro team. Mm, do, do Nebraska people do that? Four Collins people do that. <laughs> okay. Just well, group so them all in one. Nebraska people, a lot of Nebraska people are Broncos fans. So okay, I joke with Nebraska and CSU. <laughs> I, I love all, love you all, kinda. Um, all right, now that that's out of the way, just needed to get that out on the table. Needed to know who I was working with here. Moving forward, uh, news came out at the end of last week that the Broncos will likely move on from Brandon Marshall. Zach, your instant reaction to that news when it came down. Okay. Duh. Yep. Makes sense. Yep, exactly. I guess it it came out a few weeks earlier than expected, which just shows, okay, yep, there was no question they were going to do this. Yeah, and I thought there was some some weird revisionist history all of a sudden after this happened. It's like, you know how they always say, like, you'll never be a greater person than on the day of your funeral? Yep. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I felt about this. I was like, wait, all of a sudden Brandon Marshall was good. Yeah, like he used to be right three years ago. Right. Super Bowl 50. Yeah, he was great then. And he deserves all the credit in the world. He got a Super Bowl ring, so I think he'll be fine. But all of a sudden people were like, wow, super athletic linebacker, great in coverage, blah, blah, blah. You know, Broncos are going to have a big hole to fill. And I'm like, excuse me, you are all the same people who are eviscerating this guy. And a lot of times, rightfully so, over the last two years. Not to mention the fact that he was smaller than Will Parks this season, lost all this weight, had no, had nothing in his base, was was missing tackles. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I, I like the guy. He's a nice guy. But this is this was weird. How everyone all of a sudden liked Brandon Marshall after he, you know, it came out he's going to get cut. Yeah, exactly. And that, and you're right. That that's how it always happens for most guys. And in 2017, he played in every single game 
but he was he was getting killed for for his play that year. It came out that he was playing through the season with injuries. Then last year, he comes in. He says he wants to be like in the two twenties to play. He does that. Gets hurt, only starts in seven games. Josie Jewell starts in the other four games that he played in. He missed five total games due to injury. And at the end of the season, he admits what everyone said. He was too small to be playing linebacker last year. Uh, And there was. I could have told him that on the first day of OTAs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, And wasn't it, didn't Vance say sometime in training camp, like, Oh yeah, he's gonna gain that weight back or something, or or it was in OTAs, and and then we talked to Brandon, and it's like, nope, weight's not coming back. I'm gonna stay this size so I can I can be an every down linebacker, sideline to sideline. It was just a a bizarre year that he had, and last year at this time, everyone believed this move was going to happen, that they were going to move on from Brandon after last year, right now, and then about a month or two ago. A lot of people started saying, wait, 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 maybe they'll move on from Todd Davis and keep Brandon Marshall because he's this athletic linebacker. And Ryan, we never even talked about that because that was BS. That was garbage. That that wasn't going to happen. Uh, we knew this was going to happen. And people said, well, maybe they keep Brandon because Josie Jewell plays more of a, a Todd Davis linebacker. No, if if anything... It's going to be the Broncos will move on from both Todd Davis and Brandon Marshall instead of neither. Now this one comes down. You would think they would hold on to Todd Davis, even though they can save a bit of money. But now it makes the draft just that much more interesting. Free agency just that much more interesting because there's two great linebackers in both of those. There's C.J. Mosley and there's Devin White. Yeah, sometimes in a weird roundabout way, getting paid can be one of the worst things for a guy. Mm. Because Brandon Marshall went from undrafted great story to overpaid, overrated linebacker. Yep. And he was getting paid more than Luke Keekley last year. Wow. I know. Or at least in the same ballpark. And I remember I wrote a story on it and they yeah. were and like I was like, What the yeah. heck? These these guys are getting you know, the Broncos overpaid a lot of guys and they weren't getting that type of um production out of him. So as soon as you are paid, you become expendable, especially with the way your contract has worked. And the Broncos have been pretty smart about the way they work these contracts. As soon as you become expendable, you're probably going to be gone. And to be honest, wasn't it weird when the Broncos gave him gave Brandon this extension? What was it? Four years, $32 million, $8 million a season. Because just one year before, they let uh, Danny Trevathan walk. And at that point, I was okay with it. I understood they weren't going to be able to pay everyone on that Super Bowl 50 team. That's how I felt about Malik Jackson as well. When you get to that level, especially these Danny Trevathans, these Malik Jacksons who haven't got paid before, they're going to go get the money. That's okay. But then you turn around one year later and you pay a guy that you know probably isn't as good of a linebacker as Danny Trevathan. You pay him more, significantly more, than Danny Trevathan got. It seemed like kind of a freak-out move. Like, oh, we don't have a plan. What are we going to do if we lose him? They didn't really know what they had in Todd Davis yet. And John Elway, this was his the guy he made the biggest investment in as an inside linebacker. It kind of took me by surprise. There was a series of moves that were reaction moves, and this was one of them. That offseason, or that, that year, That two-year yep. stretch. The first one was drafting Paxton Lynch as a reaction to Brock Osweiler signing with the Texans. 
The second one was signing C.J. Anderson to a big contract just yep. so you could kind of control the narrative that not, that you weren't losing everyone, right? Yep. Because you lost Malik Jackson. You lost Danny T. Uh, and, and you just – you were afraid uh, – you lost Brock Osweiler. And you were afraid, oh, God, it's going to – the narrative is going to be the Broncos Super Bowl team it just got decimated. Yep. And so they reacted and signed C.J. Anderson to a deal that he didn't deserve – um, at a time where he had never played a full season, and they ended up regretting that and, and moving on from him. And Brandon Marshall's now going to be gone. Um, so it was a bad time for the Broncos, and it set them back. I mean, here we are, right? After two atrocious seasons, um, and a big part of that was because of the reactionary moves. You, it's you know, it's what we talk about in all of sports, whether you're on or off the field, you have to be one move ahead. And the Broncos that entire off season were one move behind. And again, signing Brandon Marshall was a reaction to not signing Danny Trevathan. And it's going to stick with them for a while now because of the dead money that Brandon Marshall's contract carries this year. The Broncos do save $5 million against the cap by moving on from him, but they have $4 million of dead cap. Almost half his contract is is dead cap for this year. Ryan, how do you view dead cap? Uh, are you someone that says, don't make moves if it's going to give you dead cap? Or are you someone that says, you know what, if it's best to cut the ties and you do still do save money like this Brandon Marshall thing, then do it. I'm that way. Uh, if the savings are above the dead cap, I'm on board. I also just think you, you have to like you have to cut this dead weight off your roster. And sorry, that's where I you know, that's where I feel Brandon Marshall was falling. I felt sometimes you have these players that are good enough to play but not good enough to make an impact, especially when you're paying them. They can only hurt you. It's kind of like having a, a quarterback who's just good enough to make you pay him, not good enough to make you win a Super Bowl. It's a terrible place to be. And, and in fact, uh, Bill Barnwell of ESPN wrote an article this week saying that, that the Rams shouldn't extend Jared Goff. And to me, like, I understood where he's coming from. Now, I totally also understood why everyone freaked out and said it was stupid <laughs> because it's hard to find a quarterback that's good, and right. clearly he's good. I don't know right. if he's great, sure. but clearly he's good. Yep. Um, but if you pay him – all of a sudden, your Super Bowl window gets a lot tougher. And did, did you feel good about the way he played in the Super Bowl or really in the playoffs period? Yeah, go the past two months. Yeah. And so that makes you uneasy. And so I understand that take. But, that, you know, this kind of goes back to Brandon Marshall. It's like he's good enough to be on the field. And, and you here's the best way to explain it. When you're sitting here in the offseason, when Brandon Marshall's on your team, do you feel we have to upgrade linebacker? No, because you end up looking at you end up looking at Brandon Marshall and saying, "Well, B. Marsh, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. You know what? We don't want to focus all of our efforts there because we have bigger holes in other places, and that ends up hurting you when Week One rolls around because your linebacker position ends up being very mediocre. And so now the Broncos know that inside linebacker is a need, and they can address it rightfully and hopefully upgrade the position because it, for the last really two years it's been a weakness of the defense." You're exactly right, and that's how I feel about this entire team and this entire roster is you've made some bad deals. You've made some bad contracts. You've made some bad decisions. Move on from it now 
It's going to cost you this year, but you know what? You're paying that money against the cap, whether they're on your team or not. If you need to move on to get a fresh start because that's better, that's what you should do. I feel like Brandon Marshall, maybe we're a, a year too late on this. I understand his contract couldn't have done it last year, but I think there's a lot of guys this year that we're going to be having this conversation with, and don't make it complicated. Just move on from it. Just move on and go a new direction because what the question should be when you look at each and every guy is, is this guy going to be playing to the value of his contract when we are really competing? And John Elway realistically probably thinks, I hope he thinks that's in 2020. I hope he does not think that that is this year because that would that would be foolish. And when I mean compete, I mean, you know, John Elway's competing, competing for Super Bowls. Derek, Derek Wolf, for example, next next year, I believe he's still under contract next year. He's playing at, a, I think it'll be about $12 million price tag for next year. Is he going, is he worth spending $22 million because he's about $10 million this year? Is he worth $22 million to really be competing next year? Right now, I have a hard time saying he's going to be still in his prime next season so that money's just not worth it he's already out of his prime exactly and so so it's not worth it yes it does hurt your team this year by moving on from him but how much not not a significant amount I mean it's not talking about moving on from Philip Lindsay and now you have no spark on your offense or moving on from Chris Harris Jr now you have this massive hole it's not that and I think that's that's the approach that needs to be taken because in reality what are you doing here you're trying to win Super Bowls I mean, simplify it. How much worse do you feel about a lineup of Adam Gotsis and Shelby Harris than Derek Wolf and Shelby Harris or Derek Wolf and Adam Gotsis? I don't. I don't feel any differently about it. Um, so, Vaughn, you know, the one thing that Derek Wolf has going for him is Vaughn loves him. Mm-hmm. And it's like a star quarterback loving a receiver, and you keep him around because, you know, the quarterback loves him and they have a great relationship. That's one thing that Derek Wolf has going for him, and it's why one of the main reasons, on top of him being you know a solid football player, um, that I think the Broncos might extend him and cheapen him out. So extend him at a lesser rate, which Derek Wolf has already been pretty vocal about not being happy about taking less money to be in Denver because he thought we were going to win here. Um but now he's he's upset saying, well, now, uh, you know, we're not winning. And I took this pay cut. I never should have done that. Well, he's he's missed that boat now. And I think he understands the the business of it. So if he wants to stay in Denver, you know, um, he's got a pregnant wife and, you know, a stepdaughter that he loves a lot. And, and I think, you know, that aspect has all of a sudden matters to him. Then he's going to have to do it at a lesser rate. Extend him four years. So he finishes his, you know, 10, what would that be? 10 years in Denver Yep. Um, can finish his career here, but it's got to be at a, what, 7 million a year less. John Elway really likes Derek Wolf. I could see that happening. I don't know if I would do it. I, I don't know if I'd do it. I, I'm surprised he's 28 years old. I felt like he was 31 just because of how you talked about him. He's already uh, he's already past his prime, the injury concerns, and really quick, this is the final year of his deal, so if you're going to extend him, that plays even more into that, is doing it right now. But just in terms of how you should view every player, that's how it should be. Is this guy worth it to keep around 
for a two-year window right now. Right. And the other guy who kind of fits this uh, bill is Emmanuel Sanders. I think he's the toughest decision the Broncos have to make this offseason because they have to project how a guy's going to come back from the worst injury you can have at his position. That scares me because your other option is being without a a deep threat for Joe Flacco. Now, Cortland Sutton is a, a weird case here because he's kind of a deep threat, but not in the traditional sense. So your options are move on from Emmanuel Sanders and hope you get something just as good or better in return in the free agent market or in the draft or hold on to Emmanuel Sanders, which is the safe, it seems like the safe move, but risk him not being the same guy. And then you have an even bigger issue because you didn't address it. Sort of like I was just talking about with Brandon Marshall. You keep Emmanuel Sanders saying, well, we're good at that position. Why would we create a new hole? And then all of a sudden he doesn't come back well from the Achilles thing and now you have an even bigger hole than you had because it's the middle of the season and your guy isn't playing up to his potential. I think you you laid it out perfectly when it comes to Emmanuel, and that's kind of the approach that John's taken the past few years is the safe route. Now, I advocated last year to not do the safe route. He went the safe route with, with a lot of these decisions. I advocate the exact same thing this year. Don't do the safe thing. Don't. It hasn't worked for you in the past. So, saying that, though, you are jumping off a cliff if you move on from Emmanuel Sanders. It is so, so risky. And that's why I don't think the Broncos do it. I, th- I think they keep him. Extend at a lesser rate? Is that is that on the table for you? No. So, this is a one-year prove that you can come back from the Achilles deal, basically. <sighs> And then when it's put that way, I don't even know if he's coming back next year, even if he proves it to me, because he's going to probably get a decent amount of money if he comes back strong from this, and then he's going to be 32 years old. I don't know if I want that. I started the youth movement, and then so it just comes around to, well, then why are you keeping him on the team this year? So I guess I move on from him. But you got to use, I think there's about $8 million in savings if you move on from him this year. You got to use that to get a veteran or, or to get someone because I am not comfortable at all going in with into this season with this receiving group minus Emmanuel. Yeah, you see, Zach, if it was us running the team, we'd be in rebuild mode and right. all these guys would be gone and yeah. you'd be starting a rookie quarterback and, you know, that's how you'd be moving forward. Unfortunately, well, or, or fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, yeah. um, that's not the way the Broncos are approaching this. So, I'm, I would say I'm about 95% sure Emmanuel Sanders will be back. And I think the reason is because I think he was part of the plan when they got Joe Flacco. They were like, all right, so we'll have Joe Flacco. We'll have Emmanuel Sanders, who's a fantastic deep threat for him. Not, not to mention Cortland Sutton, who's a downfield threat for him as well. And, you know, Philip Lindsay and blah, blah, blah. I think when they thought of the offense under Joe Flacco, they also thought of Emmanuel Sanders being part of it. That's just the way I'm seeing it. Also, there's a lot of spin i'll just call it spin call it call it what it is there's a lot of spin coming out of headquarters oh emmanuel looks great oh he's really recovering faster than anyone thought (laughs) you know if they were ready to move on from him the message would be the opposite Ooh, things aren't looking so hot for emmanuel really struggling through this rehab you know 32 year old or 31 year old receiver that could be tough for him that's that that's exactly how it happens and it's been the opposite out of you know broncos headquarters so in my mind, Emmanuel Sanders is back. 
I think they do the extend deal. Get, because for him, if well, I don't know. He's a very confident person. But if I'm him and all of a sudden I'm a 31-year-old receiver with a torn, AC, or a torn Achilles and I can get a three-year deal worth, let's call it $27 million, I'm taking that. Because that is that is security. If all of a sudden you come back this year and you aren't you, well, you get your what? What is he getting paid this year? Twelve five or something? He he's his salary is ten million. Cap hit is thirteen. Okay, um, so you get your ten mil this year, and then what? What if you don't play well? All of a sudden, now you're just a washed receiver, and you're gonna get a one year five million dollar deal from someone. And see, I think that that's a, a realistic extension to look at because a lot of people say oh we'll just extend him you know four years 20 million dollars it's like he's not going to take half the money especially this year when he's making 10 million dollars so I could see that where it's the slightest pay cut by extending him one million dollars uh per year around the dead money make it easier to cut him in two years and exactly I should say the salary cap hit and 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 what's what's the guaranteed money that he gets at that he gets 20 million guaranteed right but it's all maybe maybe a little less but it's also um injury protected on the Broncos so he has to pass a physical before the season you know the whole, you know, song and dance that you do with injured vets late in their career. I would not like to see it. I wouldn't like to see it, but I could just see it happening because it's a safe move. It's so hard for me to say that because he's he's been the Broncos' best receiver for two, three years now. And he's the guy who's getting open on fourth and 11 on a game-winning drive. And he's the guy who's making big plays down the field. It's so hard for me to say, just move on from him. And, and, and the, he's like the opposite of Derek Wolf. It feels like he's, you know, Benjamin Buttoning. He, he feels like he's getting younger every year, aside from the injury. The injury was like a, a, a bring him back to earth type of thing. Because he was running routes out there like a 26-year-old um, most of the season. Then all of a sudden he gets injured and you're like, oh yeah, he is 31. In less than one month, he's going to be 32. You want to lock that up for three or four more years? I wouldn't at that rate, but I think the Broncos would. I would lock, I would do three years at 7 million a year, three years, 21 million. I just don't think Emmanuel will. Yeah. I think he'll say, give me my 10 this year. I'll go ball out and someone else is going to give me 10 million a season. I think I think that's exactly what 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 will happen. He's kind of an anomaly. Can you remember a? Uh, uh, there probably are cases, but just a receiver like him who was playing so well and not looking like he took a step back at all into his thirties. Yeah, it's really interesting, especially for a, a, a receiver of his type. And here's here's why I say no to extending is because it feels like the opposite of what the New England Patriots would do. They're one year too early, and I just I love that mentality because then you don't get stuck in what the Broncos have been. The Broncos have kind of done the opposite. One when the Patriots would be cutting these guys, the Broncos have been extending them, and so that's and look what it's ha- look what's happened the past two or three years because of that. So that that's where I stand. But there is the case that Emmanuel is just this this rare physical specimen and he's proven to be that the past few years all right well i want to get into some joe flacco talk but i'm sure there are plenty of comments that will lead us into joe flacco talk and we have a lot of comments so let's take a break here and when we come back we'll get to all of your questions 
Dr. Rick and his team at Belmar Chiropractic focus on getting to the root cause of your problem instead of chasing symptoms. The results have been like above and beyond anything I could have ever expected. My pain is completely gone, full of energy, even throughout my entire pregnancy. He was able to adjust me and it sounds crazy to say, but like no back pain throughout my whole pregnancy. That was just really amazing. It's better than anything I could have expected for sure. That was Caitlin. Like her, many people who had looked everywhere and tried everything finally found relief and healing at Belmar Chiropractic. It makes you feel really comfortable because he always tells you what he's doing before he actually does it. So I always felt really, really comfortable and they're all so warm and welcoming as well, which is always great. Dr. Rick can help decrease anxiety and depression, reduce stress, improve mental focus and clarity, provide better quality of sleep, boost your immune system, and so much more. He's definitely the most knowledgeable chiropractor I've ever been to, and I actually have recommended him to many, many of my friends and coworkers. Give Belmar Chiropractic a call today at 303-233-1236. Rolling along here on the BSN Broncos podcast presented by Elixinol and Zach, the people have spoken. They want they want to be heard on this podcast. So we've got a lot of comments to get to. So we'll try to answer as well as we can while also being efficient with our time. Let's see how good we can be at that. <laughs> um, we're going to need a pronunciation guide here, but I believe it's Agathens. That You did it better than I would have. All right, from Agathens. I have a feeling that they're going to be like, you don't know Agathens from Game of Thrones? <laughs> gonna, it sounds like that, like a Greek character or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, his or her, her question is, what professional sports team in Denver wins a championship next? Mm, I love this. I love this question. And I'll tell you, you what I want to say, and then I'll tell you what the truth is. And Ryan, when I think about this, you could make a case for any of them. You you really could because the Avs are probably the worst team. I mean, you, you can make a case for the Broncos as well. But the Avs – but hockey – you, you can win being the eighth seed. You can win not being a very good team. So that's the case for them. The Nuggets, what? They're the second best team in the West right now. They're hitting on all cylinders. So easy case for them. The Rockies, this may be the most anticipated season they've ever had. So you can make a case for them. And the Broncos, you can make a case because what? They're them and the Avs are the only team with championships. Yeah. So I want to say the Nuggets. I also want to say the Rockies. I also want to say the Avalanche. <laughs> I'm not saying any of them. The next Denver sports team to win a championship will be the Broncos. Mm. The Broncos, and, and I I don't want to make this argument under the, you know, the football guy only understands Broncos are committed to winning BS. I'm just saying the Broncos are the only franchise that has shown me that they have the competency to win multiple championships under – uh, multiple different scenarios. Even the Avs won both of their championships with the same core, right? Essentially, so the Broncos won two championships with the core. They won another championship after you know getting back there and not liking their formula, remaking the formula to get back to another championship and win. And they've not only won three. They've been to more. I mean, they've been to more championships than all of the other teams combined, right? The Avs have never gotten there and lost. Um, the Rockies got to one and lost. So we're talking about three other championships combined, and the Broncos have what eight? Yep. So they're the only team that's shown me they can get there with consistency, and they're the only team that can sh- that has shown me they have won it 
in multiple different eras. And, and so to me, I, I just I feel like it would be irresponsible to pick one of the other teams that hasn't proven that. And here's what takes it over the top for me is the Broncos have won a championship with this leadership group right now. They've done it in 2015. Now you can say all the negative things that have happened in the past few years, and I can't disagree, but they know how to do it. Rockies would be my number two because they're ready to go this year. But is it a one-year window? Now, they'll still be good the next few years, but I feel like this is really the time. And with an inexperienced team as they are, I can't put all my chips into one year. I think the Broncos have a three- to five-year window under John Elway left, and I think he'll get it done. Or, or he has a he has a better chance of getting it done with his experience than the other ones. Yeah, and like I said, I hope I'm so wrong on this. I hope the Nuggets win the championship this year, and I have to eat that crow right then and there. And, and the I Rockies would, follow it up in October. Right, I would be the happiest person <laughs> in the world. Um, it's just because if I'm right about this, it's going to be – Four, three to four years right. before that happens. And I don't want to wait that long. Yep. Uh, I want Denver to get a championship this year. So I hope I'm wrong. I just, I feel like if I, if you're making me bet, I'm betting on the Broncos. Yeah. And I feel like that's the only responsible bet. Trust in John? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's just like trust in, trust in the team that's done it. I feel like the Broncos know how to win championships. And the Avs, if the Avs weren't on this ridiculous slide right now where they've lost like something like crazy, like 15 out of 16, something along those lines, I would say they have a great young core. You know, I wish I could say they have a good goalie who could carry them. Uh, There's a lot of things I wish I could say about the Avs. They're playing just trash hockey right now. Yeah. And I I know someone, someone got mad. They said we were talking trash about the Avs the other day, but they're just playing such bad hockey that I can't like put so much faith in their young guy in their core right now because it's just not it's not resulting in wins. Um so the Nuggets I I hope so badly that this this core wins them a championship because it's the best they've ever had. Uh but I got to see it to believe it. We're we're too nice to you guys. We're on pace for like a 17-hour pod right now answering these questions this like a good this. one. It was nice. <laughs> it simple, was a, it was a, it was a great question. Next one coming in from Drive86. Wonder where he got that name from. Hey guys, this is from Wednesday. He drives an 86 Chevy. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> hey guys, this is from Wednesday's pod. I was behind a day a day on but as soon as the Flacco trade happened, I skipped forward because I needed your input. I just wanted to say thanks because I like this trade now. I didn't realize the money was as favorable to the Broncos as there is two quarterbacks in the NFL that have just frustrated me on third downs. Flacco, when we play against him, we can't come off the field, and we couldn't keep Keenum on the field. As long as we get our future in the draft, I'm on board. But like you said, this has to be part of the plan, not the plan. Thanks, guys, and missed hearing your takes. Yeah. Again, this is a. It was a good move for the Broncos. Like I, I can't even be convinced that it wasn't, um, because they they improved the position for a very small cost. Um, but it it just it'll feel really hollow if the Broncos go into into the season with Joe Flacco and Kevin Hogan on the roster. I had so many people say exactly what we said on Thursday's pod about everything relies on the draft. And this whole offseason, if they get a quarterback, which is crazy, because getting a quarterback you know, can, can be played as the not-win-now move. 
but people are going to be so frustrated and scared and nervous. And because everyone realizes, Ryan, that the Broncos are not competing for a Super Bowl this year. Does John believe that? Does John believe that? And if he's the only one, people are going to go crazy. Yeah, and this, the thing that throws it off, throws it all off, is the Broncos' core on defense is not going to be around forever. If yeah. you were starting to put the makings on a defense, let's say Chris Harris Jr. was 26 and Von Miller was 26 Oof. and you had Bradley Chubb on the team and then you were going to go get Devin White. I'm thinking, wow, they're about to make the makings of a defense that's going to be great for seven years. Right. And that really opens up their Super Bowl window. Right. Unfortunately, that's not the, the case. The, the window for the defense is three years or less. And so let's say you do go get Devin White. Well, you, I guess you're starting to put the, the, the brick down on a future great defense, but that kind of contradicts the whole win-now thing of drafting a defensive player. So I just feel like there's contradicting philosophies there. If you draft a quarterback, I know exactly what's happening here. You're building for the future. You also are interested in winning now. You think that Drew Locke or whoever it may be can learn, un, learn from watching Joe Flacco for a little bit. Maybe it's a whole year. Maybe it's less. And then you're going to start the move to the future. If you draft defense, I'm thinking, okay, so this tells me you think Joe Flacco can win a Super Bowl. And he sure can. He's done it before. But can he do it at 34 as the oldest as the oldest player on the Denver Broncos? Mm. He's older than Domitopeco. Wow. So that gives me that would give me a lot of pause and it would make me scratch my head saying, what, what's the plan here? Yeah. What's the end game? Is the end game winning a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco? Cause now I feel like you're just rolling the dice and hoping it, you know, it lands on seven. Yeah. Or is the, or is the end game getting another a grade in this draft by doing what you did last year, getting the best defensive player in the draft, the Broncos could make a case that they got the best defensive player in the draft. If they get Devin white at 10, or the best valuer, or something along those lines, because people love Devin White. People think he's a he's a can't miss product. So if the Broncos get that, they get you know a stud guard in in round two, and they get two A players in the first two rounds. Well, John Elway's probably going to be walking out of that room with local and national media praising him for the draft. That's that's not winning Super Bowls though. Yeah. Oh man, this draft. Again, I already have anxiety about it because I think it's going to be weird. Everyone could love Devin White and be upset with the draft at the same time. Yeah. And that's two years in a row that you had a chance to secure a, a franchise quarterback. And I know I've said this before, but can you imagine how fun this offseason would be if the Broncos drafted Josh Allen last year? And we would have probably said during the time, uh, I don't know about that. But we would you know we would have been able to see him through training camp and be like okay this guy's you know got a little something special we see how well he scrambles see him throw those 75 yard bombs down the field and we'd be saying the broncos have a future franchise quarterback and it's so weird because john elway passed on the guy who fit his his prototype that he loves so much was that him being trigger shy was there something else about josh allen that he didn't like i don't know but even if it wasn't rosen who we wanted and it was Allen, you know, we would be sitting here saying the future is bright for the Denver Broncos. Right now, I don't even, I can't see the future. I yeah. don't know what the future holds. Yeah, yeah. And I love this next one coming in from Sutton14, Thomas87, kind of pushing us. He says, Zach, 
you seem too focused on first-round QBs. The last six Super Bowls were won by teams that weren't starting a first-round quarterback that they drafted, and the last first-round quarterback to win a ring was Joe Flacco himself. Of course, you have to include on on the team that drafted him because Peyton did it since. It isn't even recency bias. The last quarterback to win multiple Super Bowls for the team that drafted him in the first round was Eli Manning, drafted in 2004, 15 seasons before the upcoming 2019 draft and before rookie wage controls. Wow, Zach, these are some crazy stats. Would you think there's anything in uh, embedded in these stats that might skew them a little bit uh, probably yeah i think so it's almost as if a sixth round quarterback <laughs> turned into the greatest quarterback in nfl history <laughs> exactly and you know what uh the broncos have tried going down that route haven't they 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 tried to do it in the second round with brock osweiler develop him under peyton they tried to do it closer to the sixth round they went with the seventh round trevor simeon and that didn't pan out they also tried an undrafted guy this year <laughs> yeah. um Here's the thing, and I get where you're coming from, but first of all, those stats are completely and utterly mis, uh, you know, skewed by uh, Tom Brady. You also have to include Peyton Manning. It's weird to say a first-round quarterback that wasn't drafted by the team because Peyton Manning was also a massive outlier. Not often does one of the top five quarterbacks of all time just become available in free agency. Right. Uh, so two huge outliers have really skewed that there. Um Russell Wilson, another guy who, if he came available in today's day and age, he would be a first-round pick. He kind of changed the way people think about uh, shorter quarterbacks, which is why I'm so high on Kyler Murray. Um, So there's some weird, you know, outlier stuff going on there. I get your point, though. You can find great quarterbacks outside of the first round, but it's a complete and utter crapshoot. It's just you just have to get lucky. It's 100% luck. Yep. Um, now again, Russell Wilson, probably not luck. I loved Russell Wilson coming out. I thought the Broncos should have been all over him, but people got weird about his height. And so the Seahawks took a gamble on him and they hit, um, they, they were also in a great position to take a gamble on him because they had just signed who they thought was the future franchise quarterback in Matt Flynn. And they said, well, we have a guy. Why don't we roll the dice on this other guy who keeps falling in the draft, but it's a balder out there. So you can find great quarterbacks in the later rounds. You just can't count on it. You can't say, okay, we're drafting Brett Rippon in the fourth round, and he's our future franchise quarterback. Those two things don't add up. It's we're drafting Brett Rippon in the fourth round. We'll see what he's got. And then maybe you luck into him unseating Joe Flacco and becoming the franchise quarterback. It's just not something you can count on. It's not, and it's a it's a really good point, and I love that you brought this up, Sutton 14, Thomas 87, uh, because uh, there are people that are talking about this, but Ryan, what I said cannot happen. What would just be a nightmare scenario in my mind is if you go with Joe Flacco this year, you don't trade back, you draft Devin White, you draft Ed Oliver at 10, and then you get someone in the third or fourth round, and that's your plan. Because to me, that's terrifying. That Because what if Joe Flacco, this is the only year he falls off a cliff this year, and then you're going into next season with this fourth rounder who is really not a plan. That's that's worst case scenario in my mind. And you're right, Tom Brady. Come on, the, the biggest outlier ever. You can hit guys in the late round. Sixth round with him. Uh, you can get your Dak Prescott, but how good of a position are the Cowboys really in? Russell Wilson, the Seahawks, fantastic pick. But you can't trust on that. You can't rely on that to happen. You can lock out, and that's why I'm okay with getting Drew Locke at 10 and Gardner Minshew in the fourth round because that's another flyer there. 
might as well toss him in. I'm all about drafting a quarterback in the later rounds every single year until you have your starter and your backup solidified. But you need your starter right now. You need your starter of the future, so might as well give yourself the best opportunity to do that, and that's picking at 10. And like we talked about last week, Joe Flacco, in a fortunate way and an unfortunate way, brings you closer to average this coming year, and in a, in a fortunate way, your team's winning again. You're more relevant. In an unfortunate way, you're that much further away from, from getting a good quarterback because you'll be picking at 18. Yeah, it's just it's not one of those things where you can say, all right, our future plan is to draft mid-round quarterbacks. Just That's just not how it works. Yeah. And if you look at the young quarterbacks who are tearing up the league right now, they're all first-rounders, right? Carson Wentz. Um, Deshaun Watson, Jared uh, Goff, Patrick Mahomes, Jared Goff. You go down the list, like these teams that are that are that feel like they're in a window now are all teams that they they drafted their quarterback in the first round. With Dak Prescott being the outlier, and I think Dak Prescott might end up in a roundabout way being the worst thing that could happen to the Cowboys because he made them relevant. They're gonna pay him, and he's not good enough to get you all the way there. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And look at. Look at first-round quarterbacks that make the Super Bowl or that make the AFC and NFC championship games. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger's in there every single year. Peyton Manning. The AFC has been dominated by first-round quarterbacks, and you have the biggest outlier ever of Tom Brady also in there. Exactly. All right, next one here from Threat Level Midnight. As far as your free agency conversation goes, I think we should let go of Stewart and sign Earl Thomas. That would for sure be the biggest move in free agency for us. Ellie's been vocal about the importance of the secondary. Specifically, he said cornerback is almost important as quarterback. And we might be able to sign Thomas on the low because of his injury. Man, this would be fun. This would be fun, but here's the thing. Letting go of Stewart and signing Earl Thomas is going to cost you an additional $10 million a year. And Threat Level Midnight makes a great point that John Elway really emphasizes and gives tons of resources to the secondary but I think it's even more so at cornerback and if you do this move then you're probably not going to be able to spend much money if any money at cornerback so unless you're drafting greedy Williams in the first round and doing this and then you're putting all your chips in the secondary which I think may be a little too much I just think I just don't think you have the money to do this. Yeah, here's where you you lost me is that we might quote we might be able to sign Thomas on the low because of his injury. Uh, mm, nope. Yeah, no. If everyone wants to sign Thomas on the low because of his injury, that means no one is signing Thomas on the low because everyone's <laughs> going to be bidding against each other. Um, anyone in the in the league would love to sign you know Earl Thomas at some ridiculous clip like seven million yep. a year. What's the reality is someone's going to be paying him twelve million a year. Yeah. And I don't know if the Broncos are going to be able to pay that. So I would love to see the Broncos go get Earl Thomas. But in the same way that we talked about earlier, when the Broncos look at their needs, they're going to look at Justin Simmons and Will Parks and say that's not a top priority. Right. Right. It, it, exactly. And the Seahawks probably would have locked Earl Thomas up if he was going to take it uh, on the cheap as well. Next one coming in from True Champ Fan 24 He says, hey, guys, love the Flacco talk and backing me off the edge a bit. I'm still standing here ready to jump. I'm just 10 feet from the ledge now. LOL. I hate Flacco. And after or I hate Flacco. And after what I am sure is going to be a letdown season, I am sure it won't get any better than what it is. My question is, has Vic or anyone addressed what I really believe Denver's biggest need is someone or something that can cover a damn tight end. 
Do you guys think Denver has someone in-house besides Sua, or are they looking for someone to help fill this problematic hole in Denver's ship? If so, who do you think that guy is? As always, thanks for the great coverage. I stumbled onto BSN one day looking for my first ever podcast to listen to. I got lucky and won the lottery of podcasts. Man, give me all the feels right now. That's awesome. That is quite the praise, I must say. So, to the tight end. I believe that Vic Fangio believes that he can stop the tight end with his scheme, not Mm. a specific player. Now, that probably doesn't sound too good to everyone because the Broncos don't have a tight end stopper on their roster, and they haven't for a while. But here's my question. who, If you could pick anyone in the league to cover tight ends, who would it be? What I was getting is you're probably going to pause because you never th- – guys don't make their right. career being a tight end stopper. In fact, I would probably put Chris Harris Jr. on them mm-hmm. if I had my choice of anyone <laughs> in the league. Yeah. Um, so – I mean, Aqib Talib was the uh, uh, the Jimmy Graham stopper. Yeah, and the Gronk, you know, actually, Chris was actually put on Gronk more often. And again, there it, there's not really a, a, a solution to this because the guys who can cover the tight end really well can cover everyone really well, and they're high-paid cornerbacks. So you're in a weird position at that position. They tried it with Sue Cravens. Zach, I don't even know if Sue Cravens is going to be a Bronco next year. Hmm. So there's a lot of of guessing that kind of goes on with trying to find guys like you. You know, you could get a Devin White, and Devin White could probably help you covering the tight ends. Tell you this, probably can't cover Gronk or you know uh, George Kittle for that matter. Yeah. So you pretty much have to put corners on them. The only way you can put corners on them is if you have the depth at cornerback to take them off the receivers. I'm convinced that if Chris Harris Jr. was healthy in the San Francisco game, they would have said, forget it. We can leave Pettis out there. We can leave, um, you know, wh- whatever the Marquise Goodwin out there. We cannot go any longer without putting Chris on that tight end. Yeah, and what I see happening, whether it's in the first round, the second round, or the sixth round, even though the Broncos drafted two inside linebackers last year, I see the Broncos drafting another one that Vic just says, this is my guy. Whether it's the second round, I think John will own the first round, pretty much regardless. Uh, so whether it's in the second round or, like I said, the sixth or seventh round, Vic will go out and get his guy, whether that's uh, a, a linebacker like he got in Roquan Smith last year or whether that's a uh, bigger safety. I think they'll go and address that in the draft. The the weird thing here, or I should say the, the twist could be, what if Vic Fangio says, oh, we already have my prototypical linebacker. You just guys, you guys just have him playing at safety. Let's bulk up Sue Cravens, 25 pounds, and maybe not even, 15 pounds, and have him play middle linebacker for us. The Redskins did that his rookie year a lot. Why would you not? I mean, Brian, you, you, yeah, you just said he may not even make the team in the position he's playing now, so why not try something? Yeah, I mean, I think he's in an uphill battle right now. Because I don't think the Broncos liked the way that he carried himself. And that's just the facts. It's not, it had nothing to do with his previous stuff. I think the Broncos were good on his previous stuff. And I, and I think Sue Craven showed that you know he cares about the game and this and that. I don't think the Broncos were in love with the way that he just carries himself. I don't, I don't know how to say that without going into too much detail. 
Um, but I, I just don't think they did. Well, I, I completely agree. Uh, n- enough non-quarterback talk, Ryan. Next one coming in from Bronco Ducky says, I believe the Broncos will draft a quarterback because there's no way we go into the season with Flacco and Hogan on the roster exclusively. It's like you said that two minutes ago. Elway knows with a new coaching staff, there's no better time than now to inject youth to the most important position. It only seems logical. Whether it's a quarterback in the first round or something later that week weekend, there has to be a youth movement, especially with a more stable guy like Flacco in the stable. So I think um, fans are open to the idea of drafting a quarterback in the third. Like that will quell some of their concerns. Would it quell yours? No. Yeah. Look, I'll, I can probably get behind the guy, and I'll be able to say why he can be successful. And, you know, okay, this is this guy, you know, if things go right for him and, and he bul- you know he can bulk up his arm strength a little bit and this and that, you know, he could be the guy. I don't want to have to do that. Yeah. I want to be able to say, this Kyler Murray, Joe Flacco doesn't have a chance to start week one. Yeah. You know, that's what I want to say. <laughs> yeah. Um. So – it wouldn't quell my concerns. It would it would give me at least a window into set into saying, okay, there could be a future. But not drafting a quarterback in, in the first round to me just sets you back a year. I could probably make a case for how it sets you back more years, but the truth is right now you're three years away. If you don't draft a quarterback in the first round, I'm gonna say you're four years away. Right. So, to me, you have to start the clock. you got to get it rolling. I completely agree. Now, J-Row comes in with kind of a different point of view. He says, hey, guys, I think I may have a different perspective on the Flacco trade. Flacco is 34 and sat out half of last season. Is it possible that Elway isn't necessarily looking for a bridge quarterback? Manning was older than Flacco when he got here and was more of a gamble due to his neck. What if Flacco is our quarterback for the next three seasons? He's an insurance policy and in that he gives us a much better chance to win a Super Bowl while we still have the young versions of Miller, Wolf, Harris, Sanders, etc. I think Fangio can make that defense much better with a couple good free agents and inject some swagger back into this defense. In the meantime, they have two drafts to find their quarterback of the future. What if Flacco comes in and gives us one more touchdown per game compared to last year? That would have won five more games and tied one. If you look back at the tape last year, there were so many games where you had swapped out Keenum for Flacco for just one or two plays. We get another touchdown per game. I'm not saying I love this trade, but I certainly feel way more encouraged after this trade than I was when the Keenum signing was announced last year. That being said, this could blow up in Elway's face, and we're having the same conversation next offseason. Your boy, J-Row. You lost me when you said that Manning was uh, more of a risk because of his – more of a gamble mm. due to his neck. No. I literally – I don't even care if Manning was coming in with a – you know, having one of his legs amputated and he was on a prosthetic leg now. He was <laughs> less of a gamble than Joe Flacco because he was one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, if you're going down this route with saying that Flat, what if he's a quarterback the next three years – I'd say he's 34 years old. What if he's a quarterback the next seven years? Quarterbacks are proving that that, that can be the, the case. It's crazy that I haven't heard anyone say that. I haven't heard anyone say, well, when do they think about extending Flacco? Is it after two years? Is it after three years? No one said that. And is it because everyone's overlooking the fact that this is the plan? Or is it everyone saying... Joe Flacco is better than Case Keenum, and that's about it. That's the truth. Yeah. Um, now, 
I could see a path to the Super Bowl with Joe Flacco as the quarterback. It, it's there. It yeah. also involves drafting defense uh, at 10, and it involves everything. I mean, that defense being good right away because Joe Flacco's window is increasingly small. So to me, if you look at Vic Fangio over his career, his defense usually peaks in year three. That's not good news for the Broncos if they're trying to win now. Now, again, the path would involve you take, you know, uh, we'll say Devin White for the sake of argument. Maybe it's Greedy Williams. He might actually have a bigger impact sooner. Um, so you, you take Greedy Williams. Your secondary is locked down. You end up getting, you know, Devin Bush with the first pick of the second round after you trade it up. He's now your middle linebacker. Your defense is all of a sudden stacked. And Joe Flacco does just enough. And he gets you all the way there. That's a lot of things going right. And it also involves Vic Fangio getting right through to the whole defense and them playing out of their minds in year one. It just I, – I don't think that – I just hope that John L.A. isn't thinking that way. It's just – you made a fantastic point. Vic Fangio's defense is peak in year three. So play for year three. Or in John Elway's mind, he probably thinks he can expedite that. Play, play in year two. Play for next year. Ryan, who has who has a chance at more of an impact? A quarterback that hits at 10 or an inside linebacker that hits in 10? No matter where you're picking, the yeah. quarterback has a higher chance. Well, good, because I was about to go down every other position the Broncos could pick at 10 and ask <laughs> you that. Yeah, no, I mean, if you pick quarterback, I, I, I'm, I'm looking at year three, and I'm saying year three, that's when you, that's when you should be excited. If you don't, I'm saying, okay, they're playing for this year, so get excited. Just be, just be ready to get let down, you know? Yep. <laughs> okay, next one here is from Mr. Freeze. He says, calling restaurants fast casual is just putting lipstick on a pig. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm not trying to, like, make, make them seem better than fast food restaurants. It's just we, Yes, yes it's just you are. Classic. They are better. <laughs> it's also just a different classification. It's a different type of food. One is low-quality food that's made to be made as fast as possible and be as cheap as possible. Right. One is higher-quality food <laughs> that's made to be made quickly and isn't supposed to be as cheap as possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So instantly, you just know the food is going to be better. So it is a pig with lipstick. If you, Mr. Freeze, make the case to me on how <laughs> Chipotle and McDonald's mm. are the same. Right. Shouldn't. No. If you've never, if you say that, and I, I feel you've never eaten McDonald's and Chipotle, <laughs> because one of them makes you feel a lot different than the other one. That's uh, very true. All right. He also goes on to say, Stephen A. Smith makes me turn down the volume on at least five notches on my TV. It's funny because <laughs> I usually just wake up and throw on ESPN. Yeah. It's just like whatever's on is on. And in fact, in the office right now. Stephen A. Smith is on the TV, and I can tell he's yelling even though the TV's muted. <laughs> Look, at there's three other guys listening to him, and they all have kind of like horrified faces He's on. like shaking his <laughs> finger. Um, but it is funny because I don't really care what's on. I just want like sports talk. Um, but uh, my girlfriend will be like, oh, my God, is that stupid guy yelling on the TV again? Please turn it down. All I can hear is him yelling. So That's uh, what he's doing right now. Yep. He Oh, Double finger wag. We've got double finger wag going on. Now he's pounding his fist into his hand. 
and pounding his chest. <laughs> He's got everything in this segment. <laughs> he is really um, pretty un- insufferable. I can say I've turned it on with the knowledge that I don't enjoy his commentary at all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's always been the problem too. Cause it's like, if you turn on the radio and you don't like what they're talking about on one station, you can just turn to the other. Yep. It's not really like that in no. sports. Like what other station does FS one run like morning. Oh yeah. It's probably, um, skip Bayless and oh, Shannon wow. Sharp. Yep. I'm not watching that. <laughs> probably more of the same of this. You're going to have to pr- produce a much higher quality product for me to change from ESPN. And I'm pretty sure it's the exact same thing. Just yep. with different people. Yep. <laughs> All right. He goes on. Uh, and says, Mike Kliss makes me play podcasts at 2x speed whenever he's a featured guest. Mike Kliss has been on a podcast. <laughs> that's, that's news to me. wonder if he sounds funny. Uh, I've listened to actually our podcast in half speed <laughs> and 2x speed. It's, it is pretty funny. It goes on. The American Water Works Association holds a best of the tap water taste test if you guys want to see who really has the best tap water. Wow. Don't need any advanced statistics to know that it's Colorado. <laughs> Goes on and says, Joe Flacco may have beaten Kaepernick, but in half, if half of the lights hadn't gone out, 49ers would have run away with that game. That's a take you can have. Uh, he goes on and says, I lived on the opposite side of Illinois from Chicago, but I go there pretty often. Next time I'll th- I'm there, I'll look into meatheads. Did, was that a thing that we talked about? I don't remember meatheads. <laughs> I don't either, but we're going to Chicago. We are. Um, next week, right? Eight days. Wow. Yeah, that's we really nuts. threw this thing together <laughs> pretty late here. Uh, we are we did this last year. Uh, first, it's cost effective. Second, Chicago's way cooler than uh, Indianapolis, so we're flying. It. We always do this. That's what we do in New Orleans too, because New Orleans yeah, way cooler than it's Mobile. True. <laughs> um, flying into Chicago, taking a bus down to Indy, which is about three hour bus ride. Um, well, well, we do, cross the time zone, right? Yes, we do cross the time zone. Weirdly makes no sense um then going to cover the combine and then i actually have a friend who just moved to chicago so i'm going back to chicago after for the weekend um but yes we will be in chicago so chicago food wrecks are welcome yes last time we just went to uh do you remember the name of the place i don't it was good though the classic yeah whatever the place is classic hot dog joint hot dogs and and italian beefs yeah uh portillo's yes yes but maybe we'll go a little more advanced this day maybe also, I don't know if Portillo's fits into my current diet. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on here. That's a good one. Good good comment there, Mr. Freeze. Jay Ship. He says, I subscribed on this latest promo, so I, hopefully we win. My name is like Billy Joel, so I'm, I'm guessing it's Joel Ship. Mm, yep, yep. He says, fellow Broncos fans, chill. Flacco isn't a marginal upgrade to Keenum. He's a big upgrade. Mm. I didn't want the trade. I wanted a rookie starting early, like week four, but that won't happen now. What does this? What this does do is let a proven vet with a ring and a huge arm teach the next huge arm to come into the NFL. It also allows us to trade Sanders if we want to. I'm not advocating that for that, but now we can. Flacco is obviously mentally ahead of a rookie, so he doesn't need an Emmanuel Sanders who who can who at will can get open. He's not manning by any means and throwing to covered wide and, co- and throwing to covered wide receivers, but he'll do better than a rookie. Bring in Matt Hasselback um, of bringing a Matt Hasselback of wide receivers to bring a veteran voice to a young wide receiver core 
but with the understanding that he's the third or fourth wide receiver. Demarius Thomas, anyone? <laughs> then you can have Flacco teach the young rookies how to run and catch uh, in the NFL, and, and the vet wide receiver can help with all the little things. Then when Flacco gets hurt week nine, it'll be an in- easier transition to lock. Just my thoughts. Love the show. Thank you for giving me Broncos news while living in Indianapolis last year in Seattle this year. Well, interesting. And thanks for rolling with us, Joel. Uh, and in- interesting thoughts there. Um, and if you look at Flacco's career, I guess you can say he doesn't need big name wide receivers. And uh, I don't know. I mean, you, you can make the argument either way. He hasn't had them, so he doesn't need them. Or you could say he hasn't been very good with not having them, so he needs them. But one thing that you need with Joe Flacco is you need a good offensive line. So if that's moving on from Emmanuel, I mean, just giving him or a rookie no experienced veteran skill guys is tough, especially when you're not talking about any at tight end either. But you need to give him the line. So if you have to sacrifice that for the line, then you do it. But what you can't do is think that Joe Flacco is Peyton Manning and he's he's all you need on the offense. He's going to make everything else better. Well, you're fooling yourself. He's going to get hurt in week one. And whether or not you have a rookie quarterback, it's going to be Kevin Hogan or it's going to be a rookie quarterback learning with no weapons and no help around him. So I want to address a misnomer about Joe Flacco um, because it came up to me. Someone who had been arguing with me about Kyler Murray came back and said, wow, I wish we would have had Kyler Murray now. I didn't realize we were going to get Joe Flacco. And I responded to them and I said, Joe Flacco is everything Kyler Murray is not. You should love him <laughs> since you didn't like Kyler Murray. But, but then they said, the reason I didn't like Kyler Murray is because he wouldn't be durable, and Flacco isn't any more durable. And that's when I'm like, hold your horses. Joe Flacco, in his 11-year NFL career, has played all 16 games and the playoffs in nine of those 11 seasons. Yeah. He is as durable as they possibly come. So he says, you know, when Flacco gets hurt in week nine, as if, like, that's a foregone conclusion. Right. He's been hurt twice in his career. Yeah. So, no, Joe Flacco is not a injury-prone quarterback. In fact, quite the opposite, in my opinion. Now, the older you get, the more injury-prone you obviously become. But he is, a you know, damn near an Iron Man as a quarterback. And that's one thing. That's one of the things that Baltimore has done well, is they've given him the offensive line to help him stay protected. And not just help him stay protected, but he throws a long ball. He's a guy that isn't Kyler Murray. He's not going to be escaping the pocket. And he needs time to throw the ball. So... He clearly needs the offensive line, and Denver isn't there with the offensive line as of right now. I've been wanting, to, I've been meaning to say this all day, and so I'm going to just choose right now as my time to pick the spot. I tweeted this, but I hadn't said it on the podcast yet, and I was like, how did I not think of saying this on the podcast? A lot of people have asked why Flacco is a, an upgrade over Keenum, and this is how I explained it on Twitter. Remember in the second half of the season when teams were saying, hey, we're not going to let Philip Lindsay beat us, so they brought eight man, maybe more into the box and dared Keenum to beat him with their, with his arm. Yep. No one does that to Joe Flacco. Watch some film, talk to Andre who watched some film. You don't see teams saying Joe Flacco. We dare you to beat us with, with, with your arm. The reason being is he can do it and he has done it. And then some people will point out to me, well, that his efficiency throwing down the field has gone down. This is how I explain that. Nikola Jokic doesn't, he isn't a great three-point shooter. He is a passable three-point shooter. But he has to shoot the three. Because as soon as he starts shooting that, the defense has to come out to him when he 
is out there, which opens up passing lanes for him, which he's so amazing at passing into. Then he can get them to bite on the pump fake. Now he's driving in the lane. The passing lanes open up even more. He dishes off. You get a dunk. You don't have to make them. You just have to shoot them. You don't have to complete them. You just have to throw them and complete them with some sort of efficiency. Every game the, the Ravens went into, they had about five deep shots that they were ready to call for Joe Flacco. If he hits one, great. If he hits two, awesome. If he hits three, incredible. If he hits four, you're definitely winning. If he hits five, you know, that's probably never happened. So if he hits zero, maybe the defense can come up. But he rarely only hits zero. He shoots those threes. The defense comes out to him to play defense. It opens up passing lanes. It opens up running lanes. It makes off. It makes playing offense a whole lot easier. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a it's a really good point. And just the difference between that with Joe Flacco and Case Keenum is is drastic. Next one coming in from Kr Schmidt says, "Hey guys, should we bring out the Matthew Berry Wacko for Flacco moniker? Seems everyone is panicking, and I don't get it. Completely agree, he is an upgrade to Keenum, and will be a better teacher for who, whoever we draft. Likely Locke. I will be shocked if we still don't draft a quarterback. I'm surprised this news has come out so early. Is this typical? I don't remember hearing news of a trade so far in the future before. I suppose they had to if multiple teams were interested in Flacco, and if it has happened before, a lot before with any team." Have any of those trades fallen through before the new league year? Don't think so. I don't remember any situation like this. I remember last year when it came out that the Broncos wanted to trade for Sue Cravens at the Combine, and that was like crazy early. Yeah, and, and, that, and that was a smaller profile deal. And then somehow that news got extinguished, and then it came right back up. <laughs> yep. He goes, also, I don't f- – don't forget about Torrey Smith as Flacco's big play wide receiver threat for a number of years in Baltimore. Does Torrey Smith blow you away? Absolutely not. And that that's what he is. He's a he's a one dimensional thing. And and that's and that's all Flacco's really had. Yeah, I mean Emmanuel Sanders would probably be if Emmanuel Sanders is Emmanuel Sanders, he'd probably be in Flacco's top five targets. With oh, yeah. With, without a doubt. It's hard it, he also had Mike Wallace, remember? But Mike Wallace never turned out to be the guy that everyone thought he was early in his career. He was paid, too. Yeah, he got paid in a a couple different places. Yeah. Um, So, again, didn't really live up to it. Steve Smith was one of his better wide receivers. He was at the end of his career. Uh, Anquan Bolden, of course, we've talked about. I looked into this. There were more guys than we remembered that were good wide receivers that played for him. But he's never had an arsenal. No. No, Schmidt follows up and says, keep up the great work. Amazing you guys are able to churn out nearly two-hour pods, pod, podcasts and all the site content you do each day. Final note, I was just back in Denver for a quick family visit last week and was able to hit up both doghouse locations. So good. Need to get these guys to go international. Kevin in the UK. Man, you went to both. You just wanted to test both of them. Or you just happened to be in the area of both of them. Yeah, that's a, that's some real uh, quality control right there. Seriously, just making sure you cover all the bases. <laughs> you know what? Since we're talking about burgers, I got to tell you. Oh, yesterday. So, have you been to the Dark Horse? I have not. No. Okay. Uh, I saw it though. There is a place in Boulder called the Dark Horse that is a burger joint. It's really cool. It's kind of crazy. They've got like all sorts of antiques that like hang from the ceiling. It's a very weird place that's very bolder. They have a burger there that I had yesterday. I went I went no bun, sticking mm, to my diet. There you go. But it is the Jiffy Burger, which is a burger with provolone, 
and bacon and peanut butter. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And it is out of this world good. Is is the peanut butter cooked when the burger's being cooked? Like is it on there? No, I think they just throw it on at the end and then the heat of the burger kind of melts the peanut butter down. Wow. Wow. Would you would you would you have an open mind? I would try it. To try a Jiffy yeah, burger. I definitely would. It is insanely good it's just the cheese with that is what makes it interesting man uh since i've been having to order burgers without buns it's by far the best one i've had just so much flavor so much flavor exactly man and i you, love peanut butter you should do that one with your hands no bun with your hands Ooh, that would be a problem <laughs> um i think i'm gonna i'm gonna try and mimic that at home it seems easy enough right yeah bacon cheeseburger and throw a scoop of uh do you go chunky no, no, smooth. <laughs> always smooth. Always smooth. Okay, uh, but yeah, I, it, it was amazing. So if you ever get a chance, I've seen it at other restaurants. One time I saw it at like a CB Pots. Okay, they had it. So it's not a exclusive thing, but that I think Dark Horse helped make it famous. I guess you just have to throw. Why not throw an egg on top too? Just all the protein you can get. Considered ordering an egg on top, but I don't think egg and peanut butter works. Uh, with the you runny, think, the runny yolk. You wouldn't yeah. think meat and peanut butter would work, but I'm not true. willing to mess with it even further. <laughs> all right, moving on here uh, from Z Christensen. Well, 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 coming around to trading down for ten, huh? Yeah, I mean, things have changed, right? When you know, when there was no Joe Flacco in the mix, I was completely against trading down from ten. Now that he's here, I can see at least a see a, a plan that involves trading down for 10. Don't love it. Trust me. I do not love it, but I could see at least what you're thinking about. If you trade down from 10, you're thinking, okay, we're going to draft a quarterback next year, which again, I don't get all the hype around that class already. It, it's, to me, it's a one man class and I'm not even, it's not a one man class, but it's a top, top heavy at the top guy, which you're probably not going to get. And I'm not sold on him yet. So anyways, he goes on to say, I'm in on Murray and wouldn't mind Locke, but also wouldn't mind seeing a trade down. Also, there's a history of teams trading up for non-quarterbacks. Davenport last year, Julio off the top of, the, of my head. I hate when teams do that. Oh, no. If we did trade down, I would like to see the pick go to Miami versus Washington. New head coach, weaker roster, and Washington was in the hunt last year before Alex Smith went down. But they're also in the NFC. Yeah. Additionally, can you guys confirm if Keenum's contract has offset language i.e seven mil guaranteed until he signs with another team and then denver pays the difference thanks guys keep it up yes yes there is offset uh language in his contract and to me that just that just helps the team uh because in terms of the salary cap it doesn't affect the salary cap at all that's just how much the broncos actually have to give in cash so in terms of salary cap that doesn't change anything but it's kind of important because the Broncos aren't exactly flush with cash right now. They haven't had a, a naming rights partner for three years. That's why a big reason T.J. Ward was let go. The Broncos didn't necessarily care so much about saving the salary cap. It was about saving the cash. It's kind of crazy that it, it, that can happen with a professional sports team. It, it usually doesn't happen to the point where you can't you know put together a competent team, but sometimes you do have to make cash decisions. And that's a reason why the Broncos – absolutely need to get this naming thing done. i mean you're missing out on what 10 million in cash every year yep that hurts all right let's take uh we have plenty of naming rights partners here on this podcast 
Never hurts us. Why don't you hear from one of them right now and we'll come and talk to you on the other side. There's nothing more important than family. And for more than 100 years now, customers have turned to Farmers New World Life Insurance Company and agents like Bryce Babcock to help protect the financial security of their loved ones. What makes us different, first off, is we're, we're completely customer service oriented, meaning that our goal is every day to be available. The other piece, too, is that I'm young. I'm 31 years old, and so I'm, I'm hungry, and I'm very motivated every single day to continue to make this agency grow. And, and that's just something that, you know, I, I think that I bring them up a lot of other agents do. My initial thought was it's expensive and I just don't have money to invest in my long-term future. Everything I have I need right now. But once I started looking at the options, it's an absolute no-brainer. You can find a life insurance plan that works for you and you should. It's not just about death either. There's whole life insurance policies that actually have cash value that build over time and so on. So Bryce will break all of that down for you for free. The call is a no-brainer. You have to do it. Brandon's 100% right. Plus, Bryce is even giving out a deal specifically for BSN listeners. I'm going to go ahead and send out a $10 Starbucks gift card right, right off the bat. And so you don't have to do business with us. You don't have to. There's no payment needed or anything like that. It's something that we're going to do for anyone that comes in from BSN. gives us an opportunity to earn their business. Call 303-996-6509 today. That's 303-996-6509. Final segment here on the BSN Broncos podcast presented by Elixinol. And Zach, we've once again got so excited at the beginning of the show and the middle of the show with all these comments that we haven't talked about the promo code race. Uh, it's still alive. It's still going. It's still kicking. You know, sometimes the, uh, the powers that be don't tell us exactly when these things are going to end, which creates more suspense, which means that you could, you guys got to fight for us no matter what the day is. And today is one of those days. We would love it if you would subscribe to BSN Denver. Use the promo code BRONCOS and get a subscription for $29.99 for a whole year. That will get you know wall-to-wall Broncos coverage of every single event that happens. And if we win, when we win, hopefully we win. I'll tell you more on that in a sec. Then all the, all the folks who subscribed under the promo code Broncos will get a free t-shirt from bsndenverlocker.com. And make sure you check out bsndenverlocker.com. We're not just throwing you some, you know, some lame t-shirt with like a sponsor on the back. These are high quality designs done by a professional t-shirt designer who does incredible artwork for these things. And you won't, you won't get it on the deal here, but we also now have hoodies that are awesome as well oh they they are awesome and and ryan elijah wilkinson posted a picture on instagram during this off season he's somewhere with this awesome view in spain he's got a great backdrop going on and he's wearing a philip Lindsay bsm broncos t-shirt all the comments on his picture sick t-shirt bro where'd you get that he comments back oh it's it's such an awesome t-shirt it's not how he's you know traveling enjoying the off season uh in this awesome part of spain with this great backdrop no it's of his t-shirt because that's how that's how sweet the t-shirts are when did this happen i i i found it last night i was okay. gonna i was gonna show you right before the pod i was gonna say <laughs> we need to get in there and do some some legwork <laughs> telling people where to go yep um yeah, these these shirts are amazing. But make sure you use promo code Broncos. Subscribe. Help us out. The lead is dwindling. Oh, no. Come on. The abs are just killing the weekends. I don't know what it is. How? I don't know. 
They keep oh. sneaking up on us on the weekend, aren't we? We kind of uh, our you know squad takes a little break off during the weekend when we're not on the podcast, and those guys just ramp it up on, on during the weekends. It's like it's like when they feel like they can make their move on us, and it's working. So we'll make this easy for you guys. Just use the promo code Broncos. It gets it gets you the the discount. It gets you the T-shirt, and it gets us the dub. We're not losing. No. I'll I'll like find some people in China and just <laughs> register under their name. We're not losing, but don't make me do that. Don't make me no. spend my own money doing no. this thing. No. <laughs> All right. Um. Next one comes in from Ubeni Lava. Hey, oh, just had to chime in uh, after someone saying Chipotle is fast food. There's nothing further from the truth. Wow. Chipotle, simply put, is delicious, healthy food fast. Love that. Mm. I think I'm going to have Chipotle for dinner. <laughs> there are even Chipotles that have beer. That's incredible. And that goes back into the Shake Shack conversation, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> which I saw you made a visit this weekend. He goes on. Unfortunately, I live in Montana, and our beer and wine licensing is super whack. So, alas, our Chipotle's... I can only have water. Got to say, Montana water will give Colorado a run for its money. And I'm from Colorado, so I've had experience with both. Montana also has good beard up there. He says, okay, on to some football talk. When I heard about the Flacco trade, my only reaction was, meh. I guess that <laughs> happened. Cool. I certainly didn't have the emotional, visceral response that it seems other Broncos fans have. I will have that reaction, though, if we don't get Drew Locke at 5 or 8 or wherever in the draft. The move to me just points 100% to Locke being our guy. Merci, gents. Yeah, i uh not as confident on the 100%. I don't think it's a lock for lock. Uh, I hope it's a lock for lock, though. Yep. I, yeah, I'm not that confident at all. <laughs> um, but the closer we get, the more we'll know. Make sure you follow us along. Um, and, and I forgot to mention this when we were talking about the promo code. It's about to be, get lit on the site. The combine, mm. we knew it was Keenum at the combine last year. Yep. Um, so maybe we'll know it's Locke by the time we leave, or maybe mm. we'll know it's DeAndre Baker or some other person. Yeah, maybe we'll know it's Joe Flacco for the next seven years. Oh, man. <laughs> we'll catch a lot of flack if we post an article <laughs> with that. Uh, did we need to res- – no, I, I mean, I'm, I'm down to try some, some uh, Montana water if you send it to us. Where was the other place that had the great water? Alaska, right? Alaska, yep. Send it down. Come on. Yep. It can't be that expensive to ship a bottle oh, of water. No, easy. We can... I want to know. We'll put it in the fridge. We'll get it cold. We'll put it back in its natural state. Yep. And then we'll try it. And we'll do a taste test live <laughs> on the podcast. I think... And it'll be blind. Okay. Yeah, of course. We'll have it... We'll have someone in the office administer a blind taste test. I was going to say, it's going to be so blind that we're not going to know which one's which at the end. No, no. Someone in the office will know. They'll, they'll, they'll code it by putting little numbers on the bottom. <laughs> And we won't know what the numbers stand for. This is perfect. Then we, we will, Then you guys can come to us to know where the best water is. We can't do it without you, though. No. I'm not going to like order it. You're not going to fly to Alaska to grab a bottle? No. Isn't uh, in, in uh, The Water Boy... Doesn't his girlfriend give him that like little like vial of isn't that Alaskan <laughs> glacier water? Yeah, I think so. It like glows. <laughs> That's what I expect that uh, our sample to come. <laughs> you may be disappointed. All right. Uh, for actually, just real quick on um on another podcast I listened to, they uh one of their guys they always joke about like all the nasty stuff that's in pools in Las Vegas. Oh, oh. they're like they're like a pool in Las Vegas has to be the nastiest liquid on earth. Um, so that one of their listeners, uh, and like friends of the program 
went to Vegas and they got a bottle of water oh. and then we're going to like do like scientific testing on it to find out all of the different things that were in it. This I is much more pleasant. I don't want to know. Don't, don't you just not want to know? Yeah. I, I'm not a big, I don't do the pools much when I'm in Vegas. Yeah. But I know a lot of people that do. And you're probably on the winning side of that. Probably. Well, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm losing inside the <laughs> casino. That's why I'm not at the pool. <laughs> All right, uh, Sil Forge comes in and says, how absolutely brutal would it be for Flacco if the Broncos draft Kyler Murray, i.e. Lamar Jackson with actual quarterback skills, and he just steals the job from Flacco in training camp? Let the de- let's get the deja vu going for Flacco, poor guy. I actually have always thought that Flacco is the prototypical NFL quarterback, and I like this move specifically for the same reasons you guys mentioned. It gets Elway out of his handcuffs. This is one of the few moves he could make to prevent GMs from fleecing him if he tries to trade up in the draft. I still hope he trades up. Yeah, yeah, I, I do too. I still hope he trades up. And, I mean, when you look at Tampa Bay at five, they are projected to go everywhere from running back to offensive line to defensive line. And if that's because these draft guys are getting insight that they're willing to go anywhere, then they're the perfect candidate to trade back with. 100%. That's my favorite part about this move is it, is it saves Elway from being desperate in the draft. And from what we've heard, I don't know if how many other GMs love John Elway, and I think they would probably take some enjoyment out of placing <laughs> him in the draft. I'm sure they would. All right, next one here is from Matt Dubois. Have we ever established that that's the correct pronunciation? It sounds too good. It has to be, right? It couldn't be like Dubois, right? Nah, you got to go Dubois. All right. All right. Uh, just want to let y'all know that I re-upped my annual subscription for the contest. Got to make it happen for RK and Zach. Oh, team my player, man. Team player. Uh, you know, locker room guy, leader, <laughs> all those things. Uh, he says, this isn't as a question as much as it is a prayer to the football gods. Mm. I know a lot of Broncos country doesn't want Antonio Brown, but I keep imagining him in the orange and blue, and it gets me excited for football again. I know you've addressed it before, but if you had to give a percentage of the likelihood right now based on rumblings at Dove Valley, what are the chances the Broncos make a move for A.B.? What do you think? Um, 20%. Wow. I'm going five. And here, here's how I came out with it. The best way to talk about the Antonio Brown coming to Denver is it's a video game move. It's one where it makes sense. It is fun. You do it. You trade the second round pick. It's easy. And it's fun, but then you realize that that's in a video game, and in real life there's so many other factors, and I just don't see it happening here. And what happens when he goes from Big Ben throwing him the ball all the time, putting up great stats to Joe Flacco, who may throw him the ball all the time, but also doesn't have the offensive line to protect him now that they're paying Antonio Brown $20 million, and Antonio Brown goes three games with 16 targets and nine catches. It's going to be the biggest blunder in the nation. Rich Gangarello won't let that happen. <laughs> I mean, how many times do we shake our heads about Emmanuel Sanders having zero targets in the first half? Oh, my god. That gosh. ain't happening this year. I promise oh. you that. That was so – I mean, what an indictment of, of Bill Musgrave. How are you not running the ball enough and subsequently not getting the ball to your star receiver enough? <laughs> How is that even? How does that formula even exist? Where was it going? I don't know. <laughs> did Jeff Hireman? He did before he got hurt. He was having a career year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Deshaun Hamilton wasn't getting catches. Cortland Sutton was barely getting catches. Was everything going to Demarius before he left? Yeah. Weird. Speaking of Jeff Hireman, he got married this weekend, 
and there was a photo of him, Case Keenum, Matt Paradis. I think there was one other Bronco that may be on their way out too. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. Just how these guys were kind of the face of the offense going into last year. <laughs> and now they could all be gone. Man, is Case Keenum getting like the dead man walking treatment? Like, is that awkward to be around fellow Broncos? <laughs> yeah. I guess if you hang around other guys that may be, you know, former Broncos. Yeah, I guess. He's like, <laughs> oh, we're all going to be gone. Let's, let's hang out together so we don't get looked at like the outcasts. Um, I think, I mean, you just laid out kind of like a doomsday scenario. I look at it the other way. I think Joe Flacco absolutely has the arm to throw Antonio Brown open down the field. Um, I think the Broncos acquiring Joe Flacco increased the odds of them getting Antonio Brown because, I mean, Lord knows Case Keenum throwing to Antonio Brown would you know, end in a revolt. Um, so I think the, the chances have gone up. I mean, Drew Locke too. If you draft Drew Locke and stash him, then you get Antonio Brown, and then you have that level of a target for Drew Locke when he comes on board. There's exciting parts to this. I guarantee John Elway is working the phones, uh, mm. trying to find out if, if he can get himself and Antonio Brown. And we'll see when this comes together. The combine would make perfect sense. Antonio is meeting with uh, the Steelers' owner this week and then combine next week. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, he goes on to say, P.S., if you guys ever want to come out to SLC for a Stallions game, I'd gladly play host. Things are getting pretty exciting out here for football fans. Stallions are my second favorite team. So uh, <laughs> how'd they do this weekend? They lost. Ah. I think. Wait, maybe they won. <laughs> I don't know. I get my team. It's hard having two teams. I've never had two teams before. I, I'm pretty sure my San Diego Fleet won. Okay. Uh, and I think the Stallions San Diego won. Fleet won. Yeah. Their uh, their hashtag is all hands on deck. Okay. Yeah. It's like a fleet of people with their yeah, hands on deck. I think so. Something like that. Yeah. Go uh, go fleet. Um, sorry for, I, I think the Stallions lost. I'm sorry if I'm wrong about that. I'm not a good AAF fan yet. <laughs> uh, he goes, PPS, we have in and out here in Utah and I would gladly trade it for a good times any day. It's good, but not worth the hype, man. I mean, in and outs great. Good times is also really good. Did I ever tell you about like that burger of the month? I had at good times. That was like, no, by, let me, prob- let me guess peanut butter. No, but I, it's funny <laughs> that you say that. Cause it actually had a, blackberry jalapeno jam on it wow so the opposite of the of the pb and j yeah wow so it had that on it and it had fried jalapenos and bacon it was so good like Man. as far as fast food burgers go you don't get that much depth normally no, no that's no. why it was one of my favorite ever the the best fast food hamburger growing up was the avocado or the guacamole bacon burger at good times mm. it was so good mm. Also had a lot of Big Daddy Bacon cheeseburgers. Mm. Of course, the wild fries and wild sauce are unmatched. Yeah. No, you can't beat them. All right. Moving on here to Colin from Mullins, who Ooh. not surprisingly wrote a lot, and it's not in poem form. <laughs> he says, the questions from the BSN fam are lit right now, as the young ones would say. <laughs> Loving the long podcast, too. One and a half to two hours of Bronco talk. Well, obviously... Well, actually, probably a 50-50 split between Broncos and Food Talk. It was a timely comment. What a life we live. I thought I lost the podcast feed a few times on Thursday's podcast, but it was just Ryan's brain worrying to find an answer to Zach's hard-hitting questions. (laughs) Had a laugh when I saw Adam Schefter's tweet that Joe Flacco has the most career passing attempts, passing yards, and passing TDs by a player never selected to a Pro Bowl. In the immortal words of Bobby Boucher, now that's what I call a high-quality 
Band-Aid. Uh, 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 which is also tied in another conversation we also have on this, which is high-quality H2O. <laughs> and we just talked about the water boy, which is crazy. Wow. He goes on to say, I'm a fan of the Flacco trade, though, and here's my high, highly optimistic, most likely Ryan-approved theory why. <laughs> John Elway, quote, I'm a fan of this Kyler Murray kid. He's a multi-sport athlete like myself and could be polarizing in this league, but I need to know that he's committed to, the fo- to football. Kyler Murray commits to football. John Elway, quote, excellent. Now, to ensure the success of this franchise, I need a backup plan to this master plan in case something bad should happen to Tyler. Touch wood. Kyler, I should say. Help me out Where here. Where do you have? Give me the medallion. Oh. Got to touch it. All right, I got it. Um, can't have that evil on, on Kyler Murray. So, now he goes on to say dates and times may be incorrect, trying to convert from Australian time. I didn't. Did we know that Colin from Mullins was an Aussie? I did not. All right. wow. Maybe he's just visiting. If he is, he That's should true. visit some of our comments. That's true. All right. Now to revisit some dates. The afternoon of February 11th, Kyler Murray commits. John always planned to ensure success is set in motion. The afternoon of February 13th, the Broncos trade for Joe Flacco, just under 48 hours after Kyler Murray's commitment. How long did it apparently take from trade talks to heat up from the Broncos and Ravens to an agreement being reached? Two days. 48 hours. Hmm. Welcome to Denver, (laughs) Kyler. (laughs) So he thinks John Elway likes Kyler Murray so much that he went and got the complete opposite player of him. (laughs) He's throwing everyone off the scent. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I like it. I like it. He also needed a backup plan in case his new age thinking... Uh, didn't work out. So he wants to fall back on the complete opposite. Right. He's like, all right, I'll get crazy here, but I want to at least be able to fall back on not crazy if I have to. All right, another long one here from the OG MVP. He says, long time since I posted due to having a puppy named Elway, all Ellie for short, uh-huh. and moved into a new place. We're going to need to see pictures of Ellie. Yes. I've been continuously listening to all the updates. I have to say I was really disappointed to hear that we made this move to Flacco to begin with, but I'm becoming more understanding with all the thoughts you guys have provided. Also, I took a trip out west to Tahoe in January for a ski trip, and In-N-Out Burger was good. There's this place called the Burger Stand out in Kansas, and possibly in Arizona, that I've had, and they do it up with fry sauces and quality burger toppings. But it's casual dining versus fast food. Doesn't belong in this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) I do want your thoughts on if you've ever had DBC, Denver Biscuit Company. Mm. Every time I come into town, it's a place we must go for brunch. I feel like, Zach, you're going to answer yes. I'm going to answer no. Oh, wow. Never had Denver Biscuit Company. Only heard great things. There's a biscuit place that just opened one block away from my place. Oh, it's so good. Is that uh, keto approved? Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> we'll have to get you on that. Um, I have not had Denver Biscuit Company, surprisingly enough. I'll say this. I love a good brunch. Absolutely love it. I don't like how trendy it is in Denver and how <laughs> if you want to have a good brunch, you got to wait an hour for it. So you'll love this place. That's one block away from mine because it's a biscuit place, but it's we'll say it's fast casual because you just walk up, order, you get your food in five minutes, and it's probably just as good as is a Denver Biscuit Company thing. It's perfect. Price point's good. Because they've been good to BSN, I'm going to give a free um, advertising mm. to this place that I like. And I hope I don't make it too big because my favorite part about it is that no one goes there. <laughs> but uh, Brandon and I have had many a breakfast meeting at a place called the Chalet, which mm. is on Wadsworth and 38th. So a little bit out of the area. 
This place is the ultimate hole in the wall. Uh, <laughs> last time I checked, they actually, I think Brandon told me they recently did get a roof before they just had a tarp what? on top of their roof. Like they had a roof, but I think like the roof itself had fallen apart. So they just put a tarp oh up there. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Uh, it's, and, it's not a hole in the wall. It's a hole in the roof. Hey, <laughs> there you go. Good stuff. Um, this place, I swear to you, has the best pancakes of all time. Wow, just a magic formula. Like I'm, a, I'm the type of guy who before I went there I would have said all pancakes taste the same. Yeah, they just taste like a pancake. Sure, their pancakes. Nope, they're better. Wow, fluffy and or what are we talking? I don't know what it is. Mm. They're just better. The first time I ever went there, I ordered corned beef hash, which is my go-to order there, yeah. and it was delicious. But they also said, well, "Do you want mini pancakes on the side?" Mm. And I imagine like you know, yeah, like that's what I think. Um, what's the size of like a mini pancake? Like the BSN Broncos medallion. Yep. Like that's like, maybe even a little bigger than what you would expect a mini pancake. Yeah, to absolutely. They're bigger than that. Oh my god! <laughs> I was gosh. like, what do you mean oh mini pancake? What does a full size pancake look like? So, anyways, I had them, and like I just I know it's not smart to eat a full breakfast and also <laughs> two pancakes on the side, but. The pancakes are too good. I can't say no to them. How how big are their big pancakes? I don't know. I've never ordered. Wow. I also heard their French toast is off the charts oh. too, but I can't help myself from ordering the pancakes. Oh, good French toast is hard to beat though. I love French toast. In fact, I like it way better than pancakes. Someone recently did one of those stupid things where they pretend to post an unpopular opinion on Twitter that isn't actually an unpopular opinion. They were like, unpopular opinion. French toast is better than waffles and pancakes. What? And I was like, yeah, yeah everyone no. thinks that. Yeah. No. Right? Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's just it's just a, a little more foreign of a kind. Con- you, you don't make them as much, right? I've Right. I have a question here. Tell me if you think this would be good. Okay. You make a pancake mm-hmm. and you toast it up nice and good. So it's a, it's a little bit on the drier side. You know how you can have some like, yep. you know. yeah, then you take that. Dip it in egg, in the milk, mm. in the vanilla, and the cinnamon, and then throw it back on the griddle, and now you have French toast pancakes. That's a great idea. That's uh, a great idea with the it, cinnamon spices in yeah, there, too. Yeah, I think it could be revolutionary. Man. I just came up with that off the top during it's, this. Oh, man. That's a great idea. So if you want to go, it's called the chalet. Don't tell your friends. <laughs> I want to go when it's just me and like 17 people that are 80 years or older. <laughs> um. Did we get to everything from his thing? No, I don't think so. Question time, he says. Which position group are you most worried about going into the season at this point with no changes happening? I think that's easy. I would say offensive line. Yeah, in a heartbeat. Uh, what free agents on the team? And again, I don't. it's not that I hate what the offensive line did last year. I just There's too many questions. Um, I don't think anyone solidified themselves in a point where I can say, oh, yeah, I feel good. Great about that position on the line. Don't you have a question at left guard, center, right guard, and right tackle? Are you excluding left tackle? Because I have a huge question at left tackle. I have a huge question, but I don't think the Broncos do. Like no, they, they know their plan. They know their plan, but right when you talk about it's worries not solidified, and stuff. Solidified, yeah. yeah. All five positions. Yeah, they scare me a lot. Uh, what free agents do you see the team viewing as a priority signing? I really like the idea of tagging Paradis, but do you think that LA will make this move? Well. We kind of unraveled that considering yeah. you'd have to pay him about $16 million or something ridiculous like that because it's an offensive line tag. So stupid. Really stupid. So that's not happening. No, I cannot see Elway doing that at all. Weirdly enough, Jeff Hyreman, I think, is a priority uh, re-signing. Um, I don't I, – I'm increasingly feeling like Matt Paradis won't be here. Yeah, I feel the same. And after Matt Paradis, 
it's Jeff Hireman, Billy Turner, Zach Kerr's of the world. So I'm not like, oh, they're really going to lose this guy outside of Matt. I would not be shocked if it's just Jeff Hireman and Billy Turner who get re-signed. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's Zach Kerr instead of Domita Pecco. Do, what's Domita's deal? He's unrestricted? Yep. Man, I'd, I'd like a one-year contract there. That seems like a, an easy move to make. But do you go with Zach Kerr, who has more years in the tank? Maybe you do. And I Similar love Zach money? Kerr, so I'm on board with that, too. Yeah. But maybe you just you just give Domita one year to play under Fangio. I don't know. It's up to Vic, I guess. Does he want that plug there? Right. Uh, or does, does he, he want, want a, that Band-Aid? Right. <laughs> does he want to bandage up the middle of the line? Or maybe he likes what Zach Kerr does, and he says he can do exactly the same thing for me. I like having a little more athleticism. Yeah. Who knows? He goes on to say what free agent players on the markets would be not good non-Band-Aid players that we could add to our roster that would be worth uh, or that would be part of a long-term plan. Good non-Band-Aid. Well, a guy that both of us probably put as the number one free agent potentially, Bryce Callahan. Yep. That is, that's not a Band-Aid. That's something that you need a long-term fix for, and he very much profiles as that. Yeah, that's like putting a cast on and letting the bone heal. <laughs> And that's where you're at with Bryce Callahan. And you're getting a cast that can be on as long as you need because it's a young, it, it just made, it's ready to go. It's just like a, it's actually just a fresh new arm. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, finally, he says, thanks again. Looking forward to your great offseason coverage. This is exactly the time last year that I signed up and made miracles happen just minutes before the deadline. Mm. Been worth it ever since. Your loyalist. OG MVP. You know how we were talking about how it just seems like time has is so much further away? That seems like years ago. It really does. Like, really, really does. That the OG MVP came through. He's he's had enough time to become an OG. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, from Nick Cox. Hey, BSN fam. Um, it's been a long time since I've chimed in. I don't have anything football-related at the moment because everything that needs to be said about a slight upgrade at quarterback has already been said. With that being said, what the heck? How has Culver's not been thrown into the best burgers debate yet? Unbelievable. There's not a better meal at a fast casual... Wait, fast casual? Uh, I think it'd probably be fast, fast food. food. Yeah. Then a double deluxe burger with cheese curds, the best Pepsi known to man, <laughs> and custard straight, sent straight from God himself. That is all. Thanks for everything you guys do. Yeah. Now, to be honest, Nick, I haven't had Culver's, but I've heard similar reviews, so I need to get on that. Because I've I've heard exactly that cheese curds are unreal, and I, we can't really find cheese curds in Denver, so no. that's the place you can find cheese curds. I haven't really heard about their burger yet. Uh, certainly haven't heard the best Pepsi known to man, and I've heard their custard's really good. I think they have the shaved ice type of thing, which makes every drink taste better. You know oh, what I'm talking about, like yeah. Sonic. Yeah, that's the best. Um, so also Sonic should never be in this conversation. No, very overrated. No, yes. Um. I haven't had callers. I've had Freddy's, which I, I think might be under the same okay. like ownership group. Okay, they're a custard place, right? Freddy's, yeah, Freddy's Frozen Custard. Steak Burgers, and Frozen Custard. Mm. What a great mix. Man, mm. these <laughs> how I'm still on my diet after all these conversations is <laughs> This is torture. Me. It really is torture. <laughs> what is wrong with you guys? Uh, from Lindsay MVP 2020, greetings from Down Under. Oh, sorry. That was dumb. Uh, will Wad Mania be a thing in 2019? Who will be the number one punter on the team for the Broncos this year? These are the kind of questions I love. It was great to see a bunch of Aussies succeeding as punters in the NFL in 2018 with Michael Dixon leading the way in Seattle. 
Cameron Johnson, Johnston, is also killing it out of Philly. Did you see the footage of him hitting the Jumbotron scoreboard with a punt kick in the game versus Dallas? Perhaps if Wad Mania dies out, the Broncos could send some special team scouts to Australia to find their next player from the ranks of the Australian Football League. Thanks, guys, and go Broncos. I mean, ever since I heard the story of Rico going down to Chico to, to find out about Colby Wadman. No, I've been... no, you've got it all wrong. You've got the whole story wrong. I do. It was the most ridiculous story. <laughs> the story was that they worked out Colby Wadman, but then they went up to see Rico and Chico, and they ended up going a different way, but the Colts got Rigo. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. You, th- thanks for fact checking me there. But. A little fun fact: Zach and I almost had to excuse ourselves from that press conference because we were trying so hard not to laugh. So, there was just something about Rigo up in Chico yeah. that just really hit home. We there was also another moment when we were talking to a media member at uh, the Senior Bowl where I had to excuse myself <laughs> after he said something. Oh yes, <laughs> can't be said on this podcast. <laughs> oh man (laughs) a great podcasting i know (laughs) that was that was good but i agree australian punters i'm on board did you see the guy at miami the guy who my uh, miami university University of miami yeah he's like a beast from australia he looks like he should be playing middle linebacker i don't know why that's not done more especially at the college level yeah, I mean, you could probably su- you could probably succeed at the college level to such an extent by getting guys from other countries who are much older, yeah. who haven't exhausted eligibility to the point which where they would have to change the rules. Right. Exactly. Because BYU has had a lot of success mm. with sending the guys on the missions. Right. And I think the missions can last up to 3 years. Yeah. And so then when they come back, they have all their eligibility, but they're a grown man now. Yeah. You know, they're not an 18-year-old going out in their freshman year. They're a 21-year-old. And by the time they finish, they're 25. Yeah. It's an unfair – it's almost an unfair advantage. It's really true. If you can put a system in place where you just started getting all these, like, guys who were playing gridiron rules football in Australia that were, like, 30. Yeah. Or maybe not 30. 26, 28. You're going to have a lot of success because they're men – literally men playing against literal boys. And not on the same lines at all, but didn't CU just get a kid from Austria? Uh, they've gotten a couple, a couple different places. They have an Australian kicker. He's okay. 30. Okay. Um, of course. And they also um, have a couple guys from – one guy from Germany. Wow. Um, but he, and another guy, I think, from Sweden. Wow. Reaching the about, globe. Maybe there is an Austrian. Okay. Yeah, maybe I know more about CU football than you. Who knows? That would be a surprise. <laughs> um, I just I have a hard time following recruiting here in my old age. Yeah. <laughs> From Bronco Aggie twenty four. Hey guys, I'm really enjoying the off season reporting, especially on Flacco. I just want to thank you for pulling me back off the edge. I'm coming around to the idea of seeing him under center in 2019. As I was mulling over the future of the quarterback position in Denver, I began to really think outside the box. I love Drew Locke, and it would be ecstatic to see him fall to 10 and get drafted by the Broncos. But what if Elway isn't so convinced that he'll drop that far and wants to be proactive in order to avoid being left high and dry without a young quarterback? We all know Cliff Kingsbury is enthralled by Kyler Murray. Can you see a scenario in which Denver trades their pick at 10 along with another pick or player to acquire Josh Rosen from the Cardinals to allow Cliff's pick to Murray at 1? This would give the Broncos much-needed clarity at the position and allow Cliff Kingsbury to get his guy. 
as always, thanks and giggle. Yeah, I can see that. And and with Flacco being being here and being an upgrade and obviously being the guy for 2019, it would make sense to take more of a flyer on on Josh Rosen, but it would probably be a second round pick where it's not as much of a flyer. And I just fall back to Elway could have picked him at five last year. That wouldn't have been viewed too high. It wouldn't have been viewed as a bad move. And he went with a defensive player. And John is obviously smart enough and knows that if you think your quarterback is there, you take him. Especially, he wasn't thinking of a third-round guy at five. No, it was a top-ten pick at five. So that's why I think it'd have to be a second-round pick. It'd have to be a good value. And I don't know if the Cardinals are going to be willing to give good value for Josh Rosen. It'd be very unprecedented if Josh Rosen started behind Sam Bradford. Did he end up starting week one? No. Wait, Josh Rosen? Yes. I don't think so. I don't I don't remember how it worked, but I don't think so either. Then he came in, then got traded, then got put behind another veteran quarterback, and then learned again. Right. It would be odd. I mean, I could see the scenario. I just don't think John Elway ever liked Josh Rosen, and, and because of that, the scenario fizzles for me. I would... If it was a second round pick, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Because um, at the very least, you just spent it. It's the same thing I talked about earlier. You spent a second round pick to improve your quarterback room. Mm, it's not a bad idea. It's not a terrible idea. But I just don't think he loves him. And for that reason, I don't see it happening. Next one coming in from Carrix4. Yep. He says, hey, guys, does it worry you at all that the Ravens didn't play Fat Flacco in the playoffs this year, even though Lamar Jackson looked bad that whole game? It could have been they knew Lamar was their guy of the future and they didn't want to show doubt, but I worry that Flacco's injury was more severe than led on and we may be getting a damaged Joe Flacco. Curious what you guys think. Thanks. I think it's a great question, something we haven't thought about. They were scared. They were scared of winning. Isn't that weird? Hmm. Um, They made Lamar Jackson their guy and they put all their chips in the Lamar Jackson bucket. Is that a thing? Basket? Sure. Either one. Yeah, I don't think that's a thing at all. <laughs> but you get my point. They were afraid that if they brought in Joe Flacco and he led them to victory, there would be a huge divide in the organization, the fan base, between Flacco and Jackson. And then you also have the risk of Jackson feeling like he was undercut in the biggest moment of his career. It was all too much, but the weirdest part about it is that they were scared of the best-case scenario. Because if they didn't think Joe Flacco could play, they would have put him in there and just said, oh, let's just do it and see see what happens. Now, there's also a case you could be made that they they thought in their heads there's nothing Joe Flacco could do to help this game. I think that's BS. Yeah. So they were afraid of the best-case scenario. They're afraid of, of Joe Flacco coming in, leading them to victory. Then they make it to the next round of the playoffs. They have to start Joe Flacco. Yep. Joe Flacco wins another one. All of a sudden, you can't you can't possibly move on from a guy who just won two playoff games and is a Super Bowl MVP and is one of the most decorated players in your franchise's history. Can't they were afraid? They they were sticking with Lamar. Once they made that move, and once Joe Flacco came back and was healthy, and they decided to stick with Lamar. There was nothing that they were going to do to change that. Dumb, in my opinion. Yeah, it's not a winning move. They were afraid of winning. So weird. That is bizarre. 
Well, Zach, as we uh, inch closer to a two-hour podcast, once again, it feels like we just somehow keep on getting longer and longer. Uh, but I, I don't mind it. You know, I, I've got I've got stuff to do today, but not enough stuff to not want to go two hours on the podcast. So appreciate you all for chiming in. Appreciate you all so much, especially all the new subscribers and the old subscribers, but all who have come in on the Broncos promo code. We are going to win this thing. We need your help, yes. but we are going to win this thing. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your sister. Tell your sister's boyfriend. Tell your sister's boyfriend's brother. Whoever it may be, get everyone in on this. Let's win this thing, and, and you'll all get great coverage in return. And a t-shirt. So, promo code BRONCOS. Check that out, and we will talk to you later on the BSN Broncos podcast. It's getting me down, waiting up for you. Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. 